0: It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That's great, it's dark, it's wake, birth, it starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and airplane, yeah, many brutes, not afraid. I have a hurricane, listen to yourself, the world, but don't need something, in your own head, beat it up, and I'll be, got no excuse, The ladder, put the clatter, with the fear of fight, down tight, fire in the fire, with the of the gang, the government for hiring the combat site. But us wasn't coming in a hurry, with the fury to down your neck. You border temperature the the shallow plain. Fine then, overflow, overflow, population corner, putting a Leave your devil, leave devil, world to your, your heart. Tell me that is, you're the richer, with the right Use, we to, we to plant, Mike, right, It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy.
1: This
0: is the hour of Doom.
1: And bloom.
0: Hey, friends and neighbors, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a new year of yearning for a less yucky world.
1: <laughs> I don't know, it looks kind of <laughs> yucky outside our hotel right now.
0: That's right. It's that's gloomy
1: right. and it's going to snow tonight in oh, northern wow. Georgia.
0: In northern Georgia. And northern and
1: Alabama, where we'll end right. up being. Today. That's right.
0: That's right. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour. We are indeed on the road
1: we're not term? actually on the road right now. <laughs> yes. We are actually inside of a hotel room. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Well, <laughs> we were on the road yesterday, <laughs> and, we'll, and we will be on the road again.
0: Well, who are we? Well, I am Joe Alton, MD, of doomandbloom.net, also known as Dr. Bones, where you'll find more than 900 posts and videos and podcasts and this and that. On medical preparedness for any disaster
1: And I'm Amy Alton I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner And a certified nurse midwife
0: And the hostess with the mostest We are the dynamic duo The perfect (laughs) pair The gang of two We're here to put a medically prepared person In every family for any disaster And we're here to help you keep it together Even if everything else falls apart That is our mission friends and neighbors yes have you been injured in an accident with a nasty new year's baby well <laughs> our new year's or new year our attorney says happy new year <laughs> and don't call me call dr bones and nurse amy and listen to this
1: all information given and opinions voiced on dr bones and nurse amy's survival medicine hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice ...for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Narsemi strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available.
0: Ah, but when times are tough, the tough get going and you'll be served, very well served, if you get going and learn what to do for injuries and illnesses in times of trouble. That's just smart. Shows you got a few neurons left in that noodle of yours.
1: Smarter (laughs) still
0: would be to get some supplies and a good medical kit. What do you think? Good idea. We think so, too. And what better place than from the beautiful Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated, never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. She's got everything you can imagine from a kit for the casual biker, hiker, hunter to the full-blown community medic. Hey, how about giving it a whirl, squirrel? Do us a favor and connect with us. You know, we learn as much from you, much more probably, than you do from us. So connect with us. It's easy. And here's the lovely Nurse Amy to tell you how.
1: Absolutely. You can contact us anytime by email at drbonespodcast at aol.com. You can also find us on Facebook at our group, Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones, and Nurse Amy. We have a couple of Facebook pages, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy Show, and also Doom and Bloom is a Facebook page. You can also like Joe Alton, MD, on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, at Prepper Show, and don't forget our YouTube channel, at Dr. Bones Nurse Amy and our other... Awesome podcast Uh, And why don't you tell them about that Which is current events folks Be forewarned Uh,
0: We have have a current events podcast Called American Survival Radio In collaboration with Genesis Communications Network And we are proud to say that we're now syndicated uh, uh, With KPJC Relevant News Talk Radio in Salem, Oregon The Voice of Lubbock, Texas Radio KRFE And that's I think 580 FM AM rather, 580 AM And you know what? Not only do we have all this audio and visual stuff But we are personally traveling the country this year To spread the good word of disaster medical preparedness We're going to be at the RK Show, the Greater Alabama Survival Expo In Huntsville, Alabama today, that is January 7th 19, uh, no, January 7th, 2017. Wow. Right? No, I'm still time, in the 20th century. Time, wow. time
1: goes by fast, honey. I'll, right. ke- I'll keep you up to date. Don't worry about it.
0: And on uh, January 8th as well. And we'll be traveling all over the country this year, so check out our schedule on our classes page. You can see our free lecture on survival medicine that we do or other kinds of lectures. Plus, you can take our awesome wound care suture stapling class—one uh, of the best classes of its type that you can see and get learn some skills. And you can uh, even see our entire line of medical kits. We take them along, lug them along with us, or just come by and say hi. Because you know what—that is actually a lot more fun. Is it snowing for us. already? No, nope, it's not snowing. Not yet. No, not yet. It's going to start snowing soon, yeah, and that's tonight. funny because we're just <laughs> in northern. Alabama.
1: Well, my dad just texted me. You know, you guys, we're on the north side of Atlanta right now. We're in Marietta, Georgia. And my dad just sent me a text. And he says that, be careful. Fill up the tank. This is my dad, my prepper dad. Be careful. Fill up the tank. Get warm clothes out before leaving. Your route is more, less traveled. So, I guess we got to be careful driving over there. Okay.
0: (laughs) You got a deal (laughs) Well, we appreciate uh, your dad John's uh, advice (laughs) always That's very, very important So I'm, I'm glad he's doing it But we have a lot of advice for you We have a number of things that we can talk about today And one of the things that we want to talk about Is, of course, the cold weather You know that the focus of your medical training If you're going to be the medic in a survival setting Should be Taking into account what, well, the type of environment you expect to live in if something bad happens. If you live in Miami, for example, South Florida, like we do, you'll be treating a lot of people with hypothermia. That's why Amy's so excited about snow. Because we don't <laughs> get any, any of that down there. If you live in Siberia, though, you get a lot of snow. It's unlikely you'll be treating a lot of people with heat stroke, but uh, probably a lot of people with hypothermia. So you got to learn how to deal with the likely medical issues for the area in which you live. You now, know what?
1: That is an awesome topic.
0: That is an awesome topic. I, have a feeling I am loaded may, with awesome topics. We may topics. be
1: stuck in our hotel <laughs> in Alabama for a couple days.
0: That, and that would be just fine with me. <laughs> I would get to meet more of the great folks from know, the great state of Alabama. I know. That I
1: know. This is the first time we've been there.
0: That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, We've passed through, but we we actually be there and actually do a show in Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, Yeah. it's
1: exciting.
0: So, anyhow, the one thing that's important to know about cold weather, of course, is the effect of the ambient temperature on the body. Humans tolerate a very narrow range of temperatures compared to, I guess, um, Martians. (laughs) (laughs) And are are susceptible to damage. As a result of being too hot or too cold And your body uses various methods to control its internal core temperature Either raising it or lowering it to appropriate levels The body core refers to the major internal organs that are necessary to maintain life Your brain, your heart, your liver, things like that And the remainder, the extremities or the skin or muscles We sort of call that the periphery And your core temperature is really what's important in terms of actually staying alive
1: Functioning, and continuing f- to right. function And your
0: body regulates its core temperature in a number of ways Vasoconstriction, which is when your blood vessels tighten And that decreases flow to the periphery And therefore decreases heat loss That's the main thing that we're going to be dealing with today Is heat loss issues
1: Well, if, if you think about it, it's very logical That your hands and your, your arms and your legs and your feet are away from the central part of your body and therefore there's a lot more surface area in those areas to be able to lose heat from.
0: That's right. And
1: that's also why instead of wearing gloves with fingers, you should wear mittens to keep your fingers together. Right. And to keep them warm. Now, if I could just find a pair of pants that would keep my legs together, <laughs> I guess a sleeping bag would it have wa- to
0: it, right. cut
1: holes in the bottom of a sleeping bag and sort of, of <laughs> w- walk little, you know, slowly. You know, that's actually, I, that's they awesome. should do some sort of pants where they keep your legs together, almost in a, a mittens fashion.
0: I, I can't wait to see them, that's <laughs> for sure. You know what? <laughs>
1: I just might invent them.
0: There you go. <laughs> Well, so let's talk a little bit about hypothermia. Hypothermia is a condition where the body core temperature drops below the temperature necessary for normal function and metabolism. And and interestingly enough, if you think that the level of temperatures that we can tolerate externally in the ambient environment is relatively small, well, the temperatures we can tolerate inside our body is infinitesimal. It is... I would say the normal Well let's say the normal body core is Between 97.5 and 99 degrees Everybody's a little different I'm a little lower than on the low side of yeah, that Yeah
1: me too
0: And some people are a little on the high side mm-hmm. And that and that condition Hypothermia occurs Just when the core temperature of the body Dips below about 95 degrees That's not very degrees. much that, For me that would be about Th- you know, two or three two, two and two three, point
1: something yeah, degrees
0: Degrees or three degrees Right You know, no more than that And that would actually put me into hypothermia That's that's amazing And the body
1: it's can It's actually very scary
0: It's very scary because the body loses heat in a lot of ways It loses heat by evaporation It perspires, and which releases heat from the body core mm-hmm. It loses heat by radiation In other words, the body loses heat to the environment it radiates out into oh, yeah. the if you've ever, environment well if
1: you've ever put your hands on someone who's got a fever mm-hmm. you've and if you don't even have to get near their forehead or or near you know the back of their neck or actually anywhere in their body to feel the heat oh, yeah. just pouring off of their bodies oh
0: yeah everybody i think everybody has experienced that and of course let's say if you walked outside mm-hmm. with your in, in cold weather like we're experiencing right now and without my shirt if i walked out without my shirt then the heat in my body would radiate out into the environment and i would have less heat because i'm losing that heat uh, your body also loses heat by conduction that's when the, when the body surfaces in direct contact with cold temperatures not just hot, hot air cold air Uh, But other things like falling, let's say, from a boat into cold water So water being denser than air removes heat from the body much faster So you can lose heat by conduction as well And the last one is convection That's heat loss where a cooler object is in motion against the body core And the most common thing for that would be the wind, right? The air next to your skin Is a little warmer than The regular rest of the environment And when the wind Removes that air You have to try to make it again It requires the body to use energy to reheat And so wind chill is one Example for example of air Convection If the ambient temperature is 32 degrees But the wind chill factor is at Oh I don't know 10 degrees You lose heat from your body as if it were Actually 10 degrees Fahrenheit So we lose heat mostly from our head area Due to its, it has a large surface area And the fashion right now is not to wear hats
1: it, In most no. cases It is to wear hats I don't care about the fashion mm-hmm. When it is cold outside It is the fashion to wear hats If you are a sane, intelligent person
0: <laughs> There you go
1: If you're a, a, a silly, silly person Who cares about the style of your hair Versus the loss of, of heat from your head, well, you know. Then, then you're a
0: silly person.
1: Then you're going to possibly get hypothermia, and what can we do? We warned you. Wear hats. Wear earmuffs. Keep right. that head covered.
0: Exactly, exactly. There
1: are even ones that have mo- your whole of face covered except for your eyes. I've worn that a couple of times in the very... Past, 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 (laughs) when we went skiing. Yes. And it was super, super cold. Oh, yeah. And it was snowing, and it was really, really cold. Sometimes if you go skiing, which we, by the way, haven't done in many, many years, folks. But sometimes when you ski, it's warm outside, believe it or not. And you you don't need your entire face covered. But sometimes it's snowing, and it's whipping wind around the mountains. And you have to wear those ski masks where all you see is your your eyes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you even have to cover the fleshy part of the front of your face That's around a, your nose exactly. and your
0: lips. Well, you know, the body when it's exposed to cold temperatures, let's mm-hmm. say you're in a let's say you're skiing or let's say okay. you're just walking in the cold and you're trying to produce heat. Your body is trying to produce heat. It's losing heat because it's in the cold. Mm-hmm. And Let's say once the core cools down close to ninety five degrees, your body kicks into action to try to produce heat. And it does that mostly by doing what? Shivering.
1: Mm, yes. Muscles
0: are shivering and what they're do the reason why you shiver is because your muscles are trying to produce heat. That's the first symptom you'll probably see in people that are going into hypothermia. Of course, you don't have to be in hypothermia to actually shiver. Indeed, your muscles may help produce heat and you but if it's not and you hypothermia worsens, more symptoms will become apparent if you don't seek warming temperatures soon. Now, the most thing, the most likely thing that people with hypothermia will experience or mm-hmm. will manifest, right. or that you'll notice as maybe the medic is a change in mental status. This person happens to look confused, they look uncoordinated, they're lethargic. As the condition worsens, speech may become slurred. Uh, the patient may appear apathetic. They may appear uninterested in helping themselves. You may ask them, "What's going on?" Right? Can they'll I get say, you out
1: of the cold? No, I'm, say, fine, no I'm fine. Don't worry about it. No, I'm fine.
0: You know, go they on. may even know that they're being damaged. Where I you know, Wait, I what's going on? No. Oh, I'm dying of the cold. I think I'll take a nap now. Yeah. You know, and they may fall asleep. <clears> as a matter of like. that's how you die. Actually, you sort of fall asleep in the cold without being able to take care of yourself. And and the reason why that happens is because the colder the body core gets, the slower the brain works.
1: <laughs> <That was laughs> and a, so, that was right. a funny description. Right.
0: Well, they say the brain function is supposed <laughs> to. Sense, yeah, yeah, they say it's supposed to cease at about sixty-eight degrees Fahrenheit. But there are some exceptional cases where children, yeah, mostly, uh, have, have survived even lower temperatures. Bright, right. Yeah. Found
1: really, I mean, that looked dead. And they actually you know were able to heat them up slowly in a controlled environment and revive revive them, yes, with sometimes with still some damage. I mean, you're not just gonna always have a a miracle of a hundred percent recovery, but you know what when you're a parent, you'll take anything, you there know what you I go. mean yes, you'll just just to have the child alive to have the person that you love back with you um you know what you just take what what you can get right. and you just love them no matter what. Oh. Yes.
0: You are just full of love. You're it's a wonderful true. person.
1: It's true.
0: Well, I am too and so therefore I'm going to tell you guys out there that exactly how to prevent from becoming a victim of hypothermia because I love you guys so much.
1: Oh, you're How's sweet. That? Well, let me just say one more thing. I did notice that whenever we have been because we live in Florida in cold environments that the first two things that I always noticed get cold, especially uh, when we had skied again, long, long, long time ago, um, was that my feet, my toes, mm-hmm. would get cold. Would be one of the first things, and my hands. So okay. those two things, and my nose, the tip of my nose, my fingers, and my toes.
0: And indeed, you're so I talking. Really,
1: really want to know how we would keep those things warm, especially.
0: What you're talking about is the beginnings of things like frostbite yes and so uh, in those circumstances what happens is cold weather causes issues relating to circulation Uh, the skin becomes red first so you start getting sensations like (laughs) pins and needles Uh, you'll get also you get numbness in the area Uh, and if things aren't dealt with if you don't warm up your hands for example or your nose or uh, cover your face or or your feet mm-hmm. Then what happens is, is that The area becomes Sort of white uh, The skin becomes white And sort of waxy In appearance Then it becomes blue and, and in the worst cases It actually can turn black That's so, called gangrene So
1: we go from red To white White So red White is, and waxy Red is like your body Trying to get some yep. Extra blood there Right then it goes to white. Now it's pulling the blood away right. from that area. The skin
0: has a, a strange waxy look. Uh, then it becomes whitish blue or blue. Mm-hmm. And then if it really has not had circulation, circulation for a long period of time, then it will turn black. Mm. And then you'll, you'll see some of these uh, Mount Everest guides yes. will actually wind up, uh, will not have uh, parts of their fingers or and their toes. As a lot of As them have had their toes. Right, because uh, they had gangrene. Which is the loss of the death of tissue necro- Otherwise known as necrosis right. Because of the lack of circulation So,
1: And that's just are- something your body Your body just constricts the area And prevents flow to the blood just As an automatic um, regulation Yes a, a Regulatory system exactly. It just happens it's, it's not you doing it And you have no brain control over it You can't say hey Put the blood back in my hands, yeah, right. please. So you ha- you'll have to end up doing something,
0: right? So you should, of course, anticipate the climate that you're going to be traveling in. That is the first thing, <clears throat> if to prevent hypothermia. If you're going to be in any situation where it might be cold, you need to have. Some layers so layers. You know, That's going to be important And you have to take into account Not just the temperature mm-hmm. But the wind conditions Whether it's going to be wet or not If you're wet You're going to be colder uh, If you're going to be doing exertion You always want to condition your body To be physically fit enough For the challenge That you're going to put it through Right And uh, it's always a great thing If you're going to be traveling In cold weather To always travel with a partner Always well, I'm sure. going to be
1: traveling with you today Yes, so
0: we are going And we're going to
1: gonna be together right. in the snow-filled area of yes. Huntsville, Alabama <laughs> yeah, And if, you know who else we going to be? I don't gonna know be? that there's
0: going to be snow there It's going oh, yeah, no. no, to be darn cold She thinks there's going to be snow well, well, I'm
1: sorry Okay, I, I don't have clairvoyance All I have is the Weather Channel <laughs> okay. And the Weather Channel tells me That there's going to be snow over Huntsville mm. And you know what the great thing is? Guess who we're going to be surrounded by in the hotel? What? Preppers. Oh, yes. We're going to have a hotel full of preppers. Yes, that's right. And anything that any of us need, we're going to have lighting sources, and we'll have energy sources, and people who have food, and we're going to have medical supplies. So we're going to have have a, a prepper hotel party. If we get shut in from the snow.
0: That's right. Our, we, our
1: three inches of snow.
0: And we ser- we'll certainly will have enough food and water, I think, available for for that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, speaking of which, the other things that you need to have, you need to definitely have some heat source. You might consider some of those heat packs that you should be carrying with you. If you're going to be in the, the, the backcountry in cold weather, you always have to have extra clothes because as your clothes get wet, from sweating and things like that, you need to change into dry clothes.
1: Now, when you mention those heat packs, you mean those instant ones that? Yes, use I think pop. those
0: are use. I think those, those are super useful. We use those for a way skiing. to make fire. Also, we, is very important. We
1: put those in our boots. Remember? Oh yeah. To yeah. try and prevent, of course, yeah, eventually, go eventually they go bad yeah. after a few hours. But you know what? I think they make ones now that are battery pack powered. Yes. They so have they, those,
0: they have they have all sorts they of They
1: probably have them integrated into the gloves by yeah, now. They have a lot of cool stuff. You don't stuff. have to actually put those packs in your hands anymore.
0: Yeah, if you do if you guys ski out there, uh, let us know what they what they're doing nowadays. Or it's even been a few hike. years since we've done that. What is
1: that? Cro- what is that cross country hiking? Cross country hiking. Yeah.
0: Or also, yeah. Right, also.
1: Any there's a lot of outdoor activities. People go hunting. You got to stay really warm hunting because you're actually sleeping out there overnight. It's not like you're going home to even heat up.
0: (laughs) True, Dad. All right, so let's talk a little bit about preventing hypothermia. And it's very important to remember the simple acronym, acronym COLD, C O L D. And so this stands for C, cover, O, overexertion, L, layering, and D, dry. And so let's talk about that
1: Okay, that First seems easy to remember First
0: cover, that means protect your head by wearing a hat, let's say That uh-huh. you want to cover yourself uh, appropriately and that's going to prevent body heat from escaping from your head uh, You mentioned the use of mittens I think that's very much, much more helpful than gloves Because they do keep your fingers in contact with each other And it conserves heat So that's an important thing Make sure you're well covered Overexertion Avoid activities that cause you to sweat a lot Now cold weather causes you to lose body heat pretty quickly Uh, Wet sweaty clothing Remember I said to have extra clothing Accelerates that process So that's important Make sure you don't overexert yourself Rest when necessary Use rest periods especially To assess other people in your party For example anybody that might be elderly Anybody that might be a child in your party if you're in the backcountry, for example, in cold weather, people that are diabetic, for mm-hmm. example, they oftentimes have circulatory problems to let's say their feet. So that's something also that's important. Then make sure you use rest periods to self-assess yourself to assess yourself for cold related changes. That is very, very important.
1: Yeah some people get so involved in their activities that oh I'm a little cold, oh I'm a little colder. And by the time they stop doing their activity, you know, there is a point where it could be too late and you have got to get to, you know, some sort of warming station. Right. Whether it's an actual hospital or a cabin with, you know, a heat source, you need to get indoors and get to a a really good heat source. And sometimes you need professional help in heating up, especially if you notice some of those waxy appearances of the toes or fingers.
0: Okay, so C for cover, O for overexertion. Now L, C O L, L is for layering. You want to wear loose-fitting, lightweight clothing and in, in layers, especially to do the best job of insulating you from the cold. You want to use tightly woven fab- fabrics. Mm-hmm. You don't want uh, your mom's crochet uh, as pre- sweater. As to, pretty as, as it, it is, might be, it <laughs> may not. Really insulate you against the cold, right. so so you want something that's tightly woven. You want something that's water repellent. You want something, uh, and, and these things will help you with wind protection. Remember, right. wind is such a big factor. You can mix in losing these things
1: heat. too. I mean, I just want to mention what, what we do when we've gone into the terrible cold is we have a cotton inner layer. Mm-hmm. That means uh, full. What would you call the the inside ones for men? Not stockings. I wear cotton stockings, but what do the men wear? The under long johns. Long johns. There's the word.
0: Now the funny thing is that silk inner layers are actually actually better for holding body heat. So is wool, but wool, of course, is very scratchy.
1: Well, that's I would use that. Well, th- this is just what I we've done in the past. We've done cotton inside, but we we actually do have um, silk silk for pants and silk for your long right. johns.
0: That's what we. I've been using. I that. like
1: the cotton uh, under my my arms though. Mm -hmm. I just like the feel of cotton there. Um, so that inner layer, and then we do a next layer of, um, something like a heavy sweater. Again, it could be cotton, could be a silk cotton combination. And then we put another outer layer of wool and always a wool sweater. We have some long sleeve wool sweaters and actually you and I share them because... By the time you put all these layers on, you're, you look like a snowman. <laughs> uh, you know, some, some, synth- I will say this, that
0: wool is awesome. Uh, some synthetic materials like Gore-Tex work very, very well.
1: Well, if you need to have thinny, thin layers, then yes. If you've got, for some reason, I don't mind, mind looking at like the snowman, you know, built up. But, you know, some people need, for their activities, lighter layers. So, yes, you want to have specialized layers, and they have big, all kinds of wonderful, thin, but highly insulative um, products for, right. for clothing. Right. They're well, getting better and better.
0: Well, the main thing, I think, in this circumstance is that you absolutely have to be sure that you are covering your head, your neck, your hands, and your feet. Those are really important. Those are so, oh, yeah. so likely to, to have tr- problems <clears throat> if you are... Uh, you know Good about covering yourself up So I think that's something Really, really, really I just important.
1: want to mention One one pair of socks I'm sure everyone has Their favorite socks Again Who spend way more time Outdoors in the cold Than we do Since we live in South Florida But when we visit And have to go outside We like those Smart wool socks Yeah, smart those wool are, socks And doubling are those are, Have been really Good for us Right
0: Although I, we also have The lighter silk Inner socks
1: Inner sock And then right. you can put One or two of the smart wool Right um, they have similar smart wool type socks that we've gotten at Walmart that work really well. I don't. It remember depends their on what brand your, name. It
0: just depends what your activity is going to be, and you, you might be whether you are going to be at risk for getting blisters or not. So everybody's just those have helped
1: prevent us from getting blisters. I mean, we used to get a lot of blisters till we found those socks. Right when we had long hikes and walks, so. Have worked very well for us.
0: That's right. Now, Also, okay, so let's see. We've gone through cover, mm-hmm. C, O, overexertion, overexertion uh, L, overexertion. layering, C-O-L, and so D, C-O-L-D, cold, uh, is dry. you got to keep as dry as you possibly can. Get out of wet clothing as soon as you can because it's very easy. And you have to realize how easy it is to, for snow to get into gloves and boots. You have to pay careful attention to your hands and feet. So that's really, really important.
1: Another way to get wet is actually sweating. I know it sounds weird, but anyone who's done serious activity out in the cold, I mean, I keep bringing up the skiing thing because it's the most exertion that we do in the cold. I don't chop wood. But anyone who does a lot of work outside in the cold... Shoveling snow. You sweat. Oh, yeah. You sweat under those clothes. So if you sweat and then you continue to stay outside... You have a higher chance of having hypothermia because now the underlayers are are wet.
0: And don't forget that you can overexert yourself, back to the O, overexert yourself in a cold situation. If you're doing, when that happens mostly, that causes actual medical problems, at least in normal times, is people shoveling snow. Especially oldsters. Yeah. If you are... In the the autumn of your life, you know (laughs) you'll get to the winter of your life pretty quickly (laughs) if you overexert yourself.
1: Pay the teen down the street, you know, a few dollars. He'll appreciate the money, or she'll appreciate the money, and you won't have to hurt yourself. And so the funny thing is, like you're
0: overheating. Exactly,
1: but then you're getting all sweaty, and if you continue to stay outside. That sweat can then turn cold oh, yeah. and zap the heat from your body even more. So it's a vicious cycle.
0: Oh yes. Now, uh, one factor that most people don't take into account is the use of alcohol. Now, alcohol may give you a warm feeling
1: when you <laughs> take
0: a slug of a you know of. of, of That's because it's
1: burning. Glass of
0: bourbon, <laughs> but yeah, but it actually causes your blood vessels to expand. What happens there? It results in more rapid heat loss from the surface. Of your body The body reacts to cold by constricting blood vessels That helps conserve heat So expanding blood vessels from alcohol use That negates the body's efforts To stay warm Which is sort of funny because you see these pictures Of St. Bernard's on the Alps Rescuing oh, yeah. lost mountaineers By giving them Cascades you know, of a cask of alcohol. brandy Around their neck And uh, that's probably not Good (laughs) Probably one of the worst things you can give them Now don't forget that recreational drugs also may cause Impaired judgment And so those maybe under the influence Might choose clothing that might not protect them in cold weather These are some of the things That you really have to take Into account So let's talk a little bit about what How to diagnose it Sometimes it's hard to diagnose with a standard uh, Glass thermometer Because it doesn't register below 94 degrees Fahrenheit Even these uh, digital thermometers usually start at about 88 degrees. So, if you have a, unless you have a thermometer that can measure, measure low ranges, it might be difficult to know for certain that you're dealing with hypothermia. And so, I think that the way to identify that is if anytime you encounter somebody who is in cold weather, who is unconscious, who's confused, lethargic, and who, especially if their temperature doesn't register. Then assume these people are hypothermic Until proven otherwise So what do you do to treat hypothermia Number one First off Act quickly to get that person out of the cold Transport them to a warm dry location If you're unable to move the person out of the cold Shield them as much as possible And especially put a barrier between them And the cold ground That's very important now a person with severe hypothermia may be unconscious so you have to monitor their vital signs their pulse their breathing I mean you might have to do CPR on these people if they're too far if they're very far gone if that's the case you might be in big trouble but uh, other things to do take off wet clothing the person's wearing wet clothing remove them gently and cover them with layers of dry blankets uh, including the head but leave the face clear so you can keep an eye on uh, the the fact that they're breathing You want to share body heat uh, Some people I saw something recently that says that This doesn't help much But the truth of the matter is it does I say it does to Warm the person's body Remove your clothing Lie next to the person I don't care if you're the warm and fuzzy type or not But you got to make skin to skin contact Cover both of your bodies with blankets And I know a lot of people cringe At the notion of doing something like this But you're, you're trying, to, trying save to save someone's life, life. That's right exactly
1: what's more important your modesty or trying to raise their body temperature even the slightest could help you know
0: now some people think that gentle massage or rubbing may be helpful that's possible but remember that if there's any aspect of uh, frostbite or other issues like Mm -hmm. that that skin is damaged and vigorous movements could be traumatic so that's important to know Uh, you want to give warm oral fluids if they are alert, now the funny thing is that in most cases, if they really are hypothermic, they are not going to be alert, and you should not give right, them oral show, fluids. Absolutely, because it can go down the right, wrong, wrong tube, wrong pipe. Exactly. <laughs> if you if you do give if they are alert enough, they know where they are and know where, what you're trying to do to help them, uh, and you know their name, for example, or know mm-hmm. know the date. Uh, Provide uh, something warm And non-alcoholic Non-caffeinated This will help warm the body But only in that circumstance They have to be awake and alert Now warm dry compresses are good For heat stroke We talk about using cool moist compresses If you In in people with hypothermia You want to use warm dry dry compresses In other words a uh, it could be a fluid-filled bag that warms up when squeezed, or one of these chemical shake-and-break heat packs. And the important thing to do is to put them in the places on the body which will transport warm temperatures to the body core most quickly. So that would be the neck area, the chest, uh, the, let the let's say the armpit area, and the groin. Now, this these areas will Spread the heat a lot better Than putting warm compresses on the extremities Which sometimes Worsens the condition especially if The skin is damaged And so therefore One thing I'm just I've mentioned this a couple of times Avoid applying direct heat Don't use a major, really hot water bottle uh, Heating pad Heating lamp directly on the person It can just cause a lot of damage to the skin It could cause strain on the heart even In some cases And we have to remember that people who have these issues Can have major problems with frostbite and things like that Now, I think that's all we'll talk about this time But I'm going to be talking about cold temperature issues At least as part of a part of the show for the next month Got lots of stuff to talk about We'll talk about blizzard survival We'll talk about winter car survival We'll talk about avalanche survival Lots of stuff that we can talk about falling through the ice. I think that's something
1: it's a else lot of winter stuff. cold water <laughs> issues.
0: Uh, if you fall into cold water, what to do. So these are some of the things that we're going to be talking about in the ne- in the next month or so. We're going to take a very short break. We'll be right back. You've been listening to the Survival Medicine Hour with Joe and Amy Alton, also known as Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy of doomandbloom.net.
1: days of terrorists active shooters and worse every school workplace and homestead should have the equipment to save a life the first aid bleeding control module is meant to provide the items you need to stop hemorrhage it's compact lightweight and has easy to read waterproof instructions if every teacher's desk worker station and car or truck had one have no doubt it would save lives available at store.doomandbloom.net that's store.doomandbloom.net
0: And we're back. You're listening to Survival Medicine Hour with Joe and Amy Alton, also known as Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. We are back, and we're going to talk a little bit about current events. In an attack reminiscent of the Orlando terror event last year where a popular nightclub became a slaughterhouse uh, in the city of Orlando, uh, a similar attack occurred on New Year's Eve When a gunman caused 39 deaths And about 70 injured In the Reina R-E-I-N-A nightclub In Istanbul, Turkey The capital Oh no, actually I don't think that's the capital of Turkey Uh, Ankara is the capital of Turkey In Istanbul, the biggest city in Turkey Now this is a ISIS event ISIS indeed they made a claim claimed responsibility Although, for the you know, incident
1: let me just mention something they might actually make claims every time someone gets murdered who's not one of their own you know
0: right well oh,
1: we just want to kill everybody so anyone who kills anyone that that we would like to have dead we'll just take credit for it
0: and indeed sure enough radicalization <clears throat> makes people if they identify with ISIS, well, you know what, as far as I'm concerned, they don't have to show me their membership card. Uh, I'll call them uh, members of ISIS if they want me to. But, you know, as a doctor and as a nurse, our focus is how to heal wounds, not how to cause them. Exactly. Now, a terrorist has, of course, the opposite goal, and that is to make as many casualties as possible. And they usually have a very short window of opportunity to do this. Their focus is to get going Kill as many as they can during their brief, hopefully remaining time hopefully on Earth. Brief,
1: right? right
0: now, I've been asked a lot lately about what to do in active shooter situations. As a matter of fact, uh, a lot of the interviews that I've done for radio stations and other media lately has been on that. Uh, earlier in the year, it was more about Zika, and on the basis of our, my book on the Zika vi- the Zika virus handbook, and my standard answer has been that is that. Same, as it really is given by the Department of Homeland Security. That was run, hide, and fight in that order. Now, just as stop, drop, and roll may save the life of somebody on fire, run, hide, fight might save the life of somebody under fire. And this is the order of actions that I had been recommending in recent articles regarding active shooters. And this sequence of actions is based on the expected lifespan of the attack. And and the attacker, And the, if you think about it, And the attacker, the lifespan of the attacker in an active shooter event Most active shooter events are over in a few minutes And following run, then hide, and then fight Uh, Paradigm might be effective in these short-term events But you know what happens is that some of these events aren't so short The Orlando nightclub shooting was about three hours long This shooting was at least 20 minutes long in in And they get to reload Right
1: This is not, let me empty my clip and get out of here. This is, stop, where's my bullets? Oh, let's take this old clip out. Oh, let's put the new one in. Now let's start shooting again. I mean, I believe that I heard he reloaded three times.
0: Yeah, at least. When when potential victims can run. And when you can put distance between yourself and the shooter, you make yourself obviously a more difficult target than someone that's laying on the ground two feet in front of the gunman. I mean, when targets remove themselves from the line of sight of a shooter by hiding in a different room, sometimes that works. If if the gunman knows that his time is short and he'll look, maybe he'll bypass you to look for easier victims. That's only if Things are short Things are not so short In some of these other shootings We've had lately Now fighting back Although it's recommended As a last resort It's a superior strategy To closing your eyes And taking a bullet to the head So We realize now that This is now a blueprint For these gunmen Places like the Turkish nightclub Remain Soft targets I think nightclubs in general If you think about uh, These This particular venue this is important important to know that if the threat is not neutralized quickly then what you're going to have is basically a lot of dead people now one thing i'm not seeing is a lot of let's roll moments in these events from like from flight 93 in which some of the bar uh, some of the Patrons would, let's say, try would try to stop the it's killing by dropping them. the attacker.
1: Exactly, somehow by eye contact or just, hey, let's go. You know, with a group of people.
0: Right. They I thought w- this was. Uh, an, I thought that was an American uh, phenomenon, but in Turkey, the exact same thing happened. And so in other words, they didn't get together A group of them didn't get together and drop the attacker Either they just sat there and waited for Somebody to kill them I
1: believe there were 500 people in this Location 500 I
0: know, pretty amazing
1: So not one of the 500 people thought Oh, we're going to take this guy out He could not have fought off 500 people No And we've talked about things that you could throw at them And I'm sure you're going to mention that in a minute Right, well Even if they don't have, quote, weapons
0: So what's happening here is now a new blueprint for future attacks A nightclub in the middle of the night Crowded Most of the patrons in one large room A lot of noise That a bang represents gunfire Uh, After a few drinks Very few patrons will have the good judgment to make the right choice when they're confronted And so therefore these nightclubs may be the softest of targets With the potential for many casualties And really a blueprint for a lot of people going on Just like vehicular terror Where people just drive a truck through a crowd of people That's another easy way And another new blueprint for terror And we're going to see more of these types of events over the next few years now what is there to do uh, If there is an exit to run through It's still probably the best option in my opinion I mean, Those have oh, yeah, to be Get st- out of Dodge Right? Those be situationally aware Mentally mark where those exits are Every time that you're in a crowd But is in this circumstance Where this guy has 20 minutes, 30 minutes and Nobody's going to do anything about it And the law, law enforcement authorities aren't there Well you know what Hiding in plain sight under a table Near the gunman That's not the next best thing I mean, if, if somebody's given 20 minutes to, to find you in a room, in one room, you probably can do it. <laughs> and so this leads me to think that fighting back is probably going to help you more in this situation. If you can't quickly get out, you may have to fight back. You have to. If, if fighting back in these two situations, in Orlando and Istanbul, would have cut down significantly on the casualties. And so why didn't some of the hundreds... Of young and able people in the bar, not pursue that option. Why? Why didn't they? Now, it's not as if the objective of the the gunman in in Istanbul wasn't clear. It's was obvious he wanted to kill people, and it just all comes down to the natural paralysis that occurs when something happens that's foreign to the average person's thought process. We're all victims of normalcy bias. That means we believe the events of the day will follow a certain pattern because they always have. And when the pattern is broken by some atrocity. Well, the human brain processes it slowly Denial, hesitation, this makes for a soft target Now, certainly becoming violent is not part of the mindset of the average person in most scenarios But there are circumstances where violence is indeed the answer Statistics published in the FBI law enforcement bulletin indicate that a significant minority of attacks Which ended before law enforcement arrived Were aborted by a single citizen even without a firearm In fewer instances, or somebody with a firearm was able to terminate the event, and in other cases, the shooter terminated himself, or law enforcement arrived to do him and us the favor. Now, I'm not saying that it's a great idea for several hundred bargoers to be carrying loaded weapons, but an unarmed citizen can certainly make a difference. Patrons of nightclubs where the shootings occur Were indeed armed Even if they didn't have a gun Or a knife There were bar glasses There were bottles There were cell phones All of these things Hundreds of cell phones probably They could have been used as projectiles Right To hurl at the gunman Right
1: Let me just mention one thing Let's let's say somebody is shooting He obviously can't be against a wall the entire time Which means he could be in the middle Well if you're in the middle You have a front, because you have two eyes in the front of you, and you have a back, which means you can't see what's happening behind you. Now, the people who were behind him, I'm not saying if a gun is pointed at you that you have the wherewithal to say, gee, let me pick up a chair and throw it at him. You're probably going to either try to run or you're just going to guard the vital parts of your body. It's just natural instinct. However, the people behind him who clearly see he's looking and pointing the other direction, could have taken some action without too much harm to themselves because what is he going to do? Whip around and then try to figure out who just threw this chair at him? He's probably going to try to just, you know, let it bounce off of him, get his brain back together and, and continue to shoot in the same direction because that's where he was focused. He's...
0: It's right. unlikely
1: it, it, he's going to flip around and then try to, to hit new targets. Now,
0: if a number of people you know, had charged the attacker from different directions, that they would have probably dropped him to the ground, grabbed his weapon, and stopped the event. Exactly. You have to remember these assassins aren't James Bond. They're not Navy SEALs. They would have you know been I think freaked out by having multiple attackers and a bunch of stuff thrown at them.
1: absolutely right. And you know what? I want to take that label off. He is not an assassin. That actually gives him a little too much cred. Okay, an assassin sounds like somebody who is highly trained and who does this all the time. This is some joker who decides he's just gonna go cause, you know, serious bodily damage in one venue. It's not like he's done this a million times or he's, you know, secretly trained by a, a government. So, you know what? Don't give him that word, assassin. It's, right. it's like too, giving him too much street cred, right? So Just basically, complete right. nut shooting people. So
0: he would have ducked, he would have flinched, he would yeah. have had to make decisions as to who to shoot, and and then pointed accurately to shoot them and kill them. I'm not saying that someone might not have been killed trying to attack this gunman, but the fatalities would have been held to a minimum, and the, the event would have ended with, in my opinion, far less loss of life. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine more loss of life. I mean, you have to
1: think about these things before it happens, though. It, it's, it's unlikely in a lot of situations that lay people who are not military trained, who are not police trained, are going to automatically come to a solution of how am I going to throw things at this guy, where am I going to throw them from, how am I going to be protected while I'm doing it, How am I going to prevent him from killing more people? Those things are not just going to come to people. So you've got to think about this before it happens. If I'm in this Walmart and somebody walks in over here, how am I going to keep my family safe? How am I possibly going to protect others? Now Maybe I don't have any children with me, but I see little kids all over the place. What am I going to do to help prevent those families from getting hurt? So It's not a paranoia. It's just, you know, you have a little plan in the back of your mind. So if you have to react, it comes up to the front of your brain faster.
0: Well, you know, it makes sense. And and a lot of you out there might be listening to this and say, well, this is a terrible strategy. You're doomed to failure. Well, you know, three unarmed men were able to stop a shooter on a train in Paris. (laughs) In 2015, we saw them on the news. Afterwards, uh, one of them was uh, actually on a lot of the shows, a- and they did it without anybody dying. It There's might a- be extreme, right? But sometimes violence is necessary to prevent worse violence.
1: There's a hero in all of us, I believe.
0: Now that even happens in the animal kingdom. You know, I saw recently a video of lions that were was taking down that were taking down a water buffalo. And what happened was a few other water buffalo charged the lions and flipped one of them high in the air. I mean, this was on video. It was an extraordinary video. Right. And ended the attack. And so when the herd takes action, the prey has a good chance of surviving, and we just have to act in concert with each other. Right. You know, it it's so important it's time for us to decide that we're not going to be soft targets And we're not going to for these be victims mur- anymore. Murders, Exactly right.
1: We're going to fight back Our flight or fight reaction Is very ingrained And there are some people who naturally flee And there are some people who naturally fight And we all need to bring out a little more fight in us If it's necessary That's right it
0: might take a major mindset change to do it But it might just save the life of some people in the end That your life, your life of your kids Who knows, be prepared physically, mentally To avoid and confront these situations with commitment We'll see a little more reluctance on the part of people That want to wish harm to decent folks That's all the time we have for this week You've been listening to the Survival Medicine Hour With Joe and Amy Alton Also known as Dr. Bones Nurse Amy Hey, don't forget to tune in next week For another awesome show with an awesome lady and some old guy
1: (laughs) <laughs> see you soon